What's happening, everybody? Ryan Thomas here on the Crowd Assist Podcast, recapping the first round of the 2020 NFL Draft and also diving into what players could the Bills take within this day two of the 2020 NFL Draft. Round two kicks off tonight, round two and round three tonight. And very, very pumped up to recap this, uh, this first round of the 2020 NFL Draft. Joined by my co-host, Kevin Massari. How's it going, Kevin? Doing well today, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So the first round kicked off last night, and obviously we're living in an unprecedented time. You see the the virtual draft last night take place. All the players hunkered down, bunkered into their houses, waiting for that phone call from the NFL team saying, hey, we're, we're taking you. We're taking that chance on you. And it was an unprecedented draft. But before we dive into each and every pick, being that this is a Uh, Buffalo Bills podcast. Let's dive into what the Buffalo Bills could do here today, being that the second round starts today, third round as well. Um, Still a lot of really solid players on the board here, and I think the first round couldn't have really gone any better for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that – I think there was a lot of offensive line – um, talent that that did get drafted and that kind of helps the bills you know it was a slight need if you want to consider tackle a need for the bills um, I don't think that they were going to get anyone especially where they're picking that can come in and compete there's still a couple of names on the board that's at that, that position group but um, I think that they're going to be able to then pivot to look elsewhere um, you know you did see you know a bunch of quarterbacks go off the board which helped the bills instead of a year where there's only one or two um, so a couple of those those guys helped push some names down the board a couple of linebackers went I didn't expect the kind of linebacker pull that they had there uh, pushing some DNs down the board so yeah I think that there's some really good names and um, you know I know we're gonna pop into a mock at some point here to talk about our favorites and what we're gonna do um, but there's there's still some appealing things going on. Um, definitely really heavy in the DB market, which shows you that, um, you know, maybe safety isn't that needed in the NFL right now. Um, even, you know, when Jamal Adams fell the year, he fell. And a couple of other, um, I think it was last year with Duran James, right? I mean, he went way later than he should have uh, a couple of years ago, that is. So there's been a couple of names and safety positions specifically has been been um, been a challenging um group to get drafted early so you see them all on the board now um so that's 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 really interesting then we'll see if you need to to address that position as you know we all know from what yeah a couple days ago is our show that we're not at least i'm not a big proponent of at least a big nickel um so you know with the two big nickels still on the board as well as all the safeties that are actually good playing you know safety um i think that there's a ton of talent still here. And most importantly, there's receivers, running backs and defensive ends. True, true. And also in the safety market, I mean, I honestly thought that uh, Xavier McKinney by now, uh, by today would be on an NFL team Uh, heading into the second round. He is still available at the university of Alabama. Uh, I had him going in the first round. I had him going as a top 20 pick and, Little did I know he'd be available here in the second round. So I don't expect him to last too long on the board, but guys such as uh, Kyle Duggar, uh, Antoine Woodfield Jr., those guys are still available. Um, you still have, as you said, defensive ends. Yitzhak Gross Matos still available um, of, of Penn State. I thought he would also go later on in the first round. It's a really tough talent to just pass up on, but this always happens, uh, Kevin. There's always guys that you think will go late in the first round that kind of slide into that top half of the second round, whether it's in the you know, mid-30s, uh, mid-40s. And my biggest question now is knowing that some of these players have kind of slid into that kind of uh, pick pool, if you will, what are the chances that the Buffalo Bills possibly trade up for one of these players and if they were to trade up who would you see as an ideal target for buffalo um i think that there is a limited roster um amount of roster spots we've kind of um, talked about like what we think are available for for positions but i do think a trade-up is possible i don't know that they'll want to move 54 and 86 which would equal to about 520 points getting them up to the carolina slot at 38 i don't know if they'll want to move that high um Personally, I think that they're more in the range of saying 
I'll give up a second and a fourth, um, which would only really get them up five or six spots, depending on who's desperate, who wants what. Um, so that's that's the challenging thing. The, the third will get them all the way up to pretty much where they want to go. The fourth won't really get them up too high. So do they go fourth in a future pick? Um, really still a fourth and a fifth doesn't get them up any any higher. So um, it's whether you want to dish that third or or trade future picks. I think that it's possible that they move up a little bit, maybe moving a fifth, maybe moving a couple slots up. If they see a guy starting to fall that they want to just make sure they secure. I don't see a drastic trade into the thirties, um, but I could even see a trade back depending on if other positions are still targeted. Maybe they accumulate another pick that they'll move around. In the th- I, I think at some point they'll want to have a couple of third round picks. That's kind of my prediction. Second round, they're still kind of locked based on their draft capital. They can move up, but that's pretty much their draft. Um, but if they do, like they, they, they really wanted to, I just think that there's some some dynamic playmakers still on the board and would be to help Josh Allen the most. I mean, that's why you're moving up here, Ryan. I don't think you're moving up to take an offensive lineman per se. I think you're moving up to help out your, your franchise quarterback. Thus, what names are there that I would like? You know, obviously it's Swift, Dobbins, Taylor. I mean, those are right off the bat running backs. If you don't value running back, um, then you're looking at receiver and you got the Higgins, the Mims, the Chanel's, the uh, Claypool's, Pittman, based on whatever, whoever Mm -hmm. um, you like. But, you know, we'd like Gandy Golden. We can stay put and and take a look at Gandy Golden in the third round. So it's tough to me to say to trade up. But then, you know, there's the the fans of the corners. You know, there's the digs still on the board. Do they move up for him or do they move up for a pure safety? I don't think they would need to do that at the defensive back spot. I don't think they need to trade away picks. But, hey, they could be looking at this and say, hey, Gross Matos is a defensive end that we didn't expect to be here. Didn't really expect to trade up, but with adding him to the mix would be huge. I think defensive end would be the only thing you'd trade up for um, on the defensive side. And then I think on the offensive side, it would be to get one of those premier backs, Ryan. I don't know how you feel about that. It's it's uh, really funny how, how our brains work because <laughs> I'm looking at the sheet here that I've written down of the names that I would ideally like. and. Chase Claypool, everybody knows I'm a big Chase Claypool guy. And uh, Jonathan Taylor, obviously, I, I thought he'd be a late first-round pick, as well as J.K. Dobbins. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the final pick of the first round. It was not a, not a shocker that he was the first running back uh, picked. But um, given how he fits that Kansas City offense, you kind of see how some of these teams draft based on how the player fits their offense rather than who had the best college career or whatnot. And Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins still available. I see the the, the player that sticks out like a sore thumb to me, um, two specifically, one on the opposite, one on the defense, one on the offense, would be Jonathan Taylor uh, and Yeter Grossmatos. I, I remember us talking uh, a few episodes ago about Yeter Grossmatos. And just from a production uh, standpoint, I, I feel like Yitro Grossmatos would, would fill a big need where you could expect immediate impact. And I don't think you're moving up for a guy that is, well, maybe he's a third or fourth wide receiver or, or, or something like that. I think you're moving up for a guy that is that immediate week one, day one guy that can come in and let his presence be known. And in terms of just looking at Yitro Grossmatos compared to Shaq Lawson, who was the last high-profile defensive end that they took, um, there's a lot more physically, I feel, to like in Yeter Gross Matos than there was in Shaq Lawson. And I'm not saying Shaq Lawson wasn't a great pick, wasn't a good player in college because he was a uh, great, great collegiate pass rusher. But Yeter Gross Matos has the production, he has the size, the speed, the strength. Um, whichever team gets him, let's just say, you know, whatever team gets him, I think is getting a really good player. And another player that I like specifically for the defensive line will be Marlon Davidson out of Auburn. Um, not necessarily a big need in the, in the interior defensive lineman uh, position there for the Buffalo Bills, but Marlon Davidson paired with Ed Oliver, paired with Harrison Phillips. He did lose Jordan Phillips to the Cardinals. He did bring in some reinforcements via free agency, but I feel like based on the production and the measurables of of Yeter Grossmatos and Marlon Davidson on the defensive side of the ball. Those would be solid picks of Buffalo to make those happen. Yeah, it's just tough for me right now to know what they're thinking with this whole – because they didn't have a first-round pick, so we can't get an insight onto what they were 
really targeting or where they felt their biggest weakness was. And then we know we could keep going down the list. You know, unfortunately, I guess you could say receiver was the biggest need. Um, and I still think it's a need. Like, I, I don't think you can, you can rest at that position group. I mean, you have a couple of really talented players there. They're all on pretty heavy, heavy con- even, I mean, even Beasley's on a fairly high, high contract that most people don't really think about. Um, it doesn't take much um, for that number to get inflated as, you know, Stefan Diggs is making 11.5, which is fair. John Brown's at about 10 um, flat um, and Cole Beasley sitting at seven flat. So um, some pretty high number. I mean, you're paying, you know, close to $30 million for those three receivers and Beasley's 31. So at right. some point, um, even if he doesn't need to be replaced today, um, I still think receivers a position group where you can come in and learn and play at the same time, where I think that that's hard to do at other positions, like quarterback, for instance, you know, with the, with, with what the Packers did, it's hard to get a ton of value out of that. And that's kind of where I struggle with third safety. I, I struggle with, you know, he, we've talked about this two days ago, you know, how much playing time can, can Shin get or Duggar get. I mean, if they don't beat out Taron Johnson, not a lot. I mean, they're playing special teams, whereas at receiver, you know, maybe you don't run full receiver sets a lot, but the Bills run third receiver sets the most, in the, one of the most in the league. Um, so one small, I'm not, we're not, we're not talking ACL tears here, one small injury and you need a receiver in the game. Um, and I think that it's really great to have a talented player there um, at those position groups and on the contract that they'd be on, I think is, is, is very important as we just, you know, said the, the amount of money that each of the top three are making. Um, so it'd be very beneficial to have a guy on a million dollar salary. So I think receivers is not the biggest need, but there's talent on the board. So you go two ways with that, Ryan, you say, okay, there's all this talent and we're just going to wait it out to third or fourth round at any minute, 10 players could go off the board. Um, and then all of a sudden the third round looks drastically different than it you thought it did or the fourth round. Um, so do you dive into the, 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 the talent now, or do you say there's a lot of talent and wait? I think there's two different philosophies, uh, behind that. And, you know, you know, once again, Beasley 31, John Brown 30, um, really he's got this year and next year on his deal. Um, I think that it's possible that they say, you know what, we want as much talent as possible. Um, let's try to find a big receiver, which has been proven that they're interested in because we know that Gandy Golden came out and said the Bills have been the most interested in me. That's really, that's really, really pivotal because it shows me that they're at least looking in the third round. I mean, I, I, for sure. I mean, I think they're at least looking in the third round for receiver. What stops them from looking at this and saying Higgins, Pittman, Mims, uh, Chanel, Claypool are still on the board here maybe I want, I didn't think I'd be able to play in this pool um, uh, and we're going to stay put and we're going to keep our picks. And at the same time, we're going to get one of those names. You do, do you think that that's possible that they say, though we got digs in the first, there's just too much talent at one of the better receiver classes. It's just a matter of, let's just take three players. If, if they have three wide receivers that they really like, one of them, Gandy Golden, uh, let's just say for the sake of it, Chase Claypool and, and T. Higgins. We're just sure. lumping those three names in together, just for the sake of of the of the question. Uh, lumping those three games, th- those three names together, and they see one of those guys as the much better option than the other two. I don't see how they don't make a, a move just to guarantee that they get that right. guy. Uh, and, and then in, in, on the flip side of the coin, if they have these three guys and they just say, hey, if two of those guys get picked and one of those guys falls to us, we'll just take that one and keep all their picks kind of to what you were saying. But last night when I watched that draft in the first round and uh, watched the Dallas Cowboys select CeeDee Lamb uh, 17th overall, not only was I shocked that CeeDee Lamb lasted until 17th overall, but the first guy that I thought of actually was Cole Beasley. Um, obviously because he was in Dallas and he was their slot receiver. And now they've upgraded from Cole Beasley, from Randall Cobb, from Cole Beasley to Randall Cobb to CD lamb. And I know obviously they just invested a 17th overall pick and essentially a guy that'll be, you know, one of the, the two or the three. Um, but at the same time, contract wise, talent wise, um, I don't know how much Cole Beasley has left, which is why they signed him to that three-year deal. And I'm pretty sure if my memory serves me right, both John Brown and Cole Beasley's contracts, they could re- they could relatively walk away from both of those guys after year two with the Bills yep. and not eat much money. Um, so we're talking about just 
this window of Brandon Bean realizing that, hey, you're still on Josh Allen's rookie contract. You're still on Jermaine Edmonds' rookie contract. Acquiring as much talent as possible at the offensive skill positions in the second, third round would set them ahead uh, financially, cap-wise, and would also help them if there was an unfortunate injury. And last year, they were extremely fortunate to not suffer an injury with John Brown or Cole Beasley. Had that happened, their offense would have definitely taken a, a, a severe hit. And that playoff game is the one that is most ingrained in my mind because it was the last game that we that we watched in the Buffalo Bills season, obviously, but uh, also to the horrifying nature in which it ended. But I just can't forget about how the offense had that 16 nothing lead. They completely stalled. They couldn't move the ball. They settled for field goals. And that is the 75% of the reason, I would say, why they lost that game, among many other reasons. But I would say that, that if I could hang my head on one reason, it was that their offense did not have the weapons that the Houston Texans offense had. Um, and they were not able to go, quote unquote, drive for drive with Houston. Uh, and to say that, knowing that they had that 16 nothing lead in that game, I just scratched my head a little bit at the thought of knowing that the defense was why we made the playoffs, essentially. That, that defense was one of the top five in the league. And they were very clutch for us. We, we were able to uh, pin our hopes on them when the offense couldn't really pick anything up and get anything going. Um, Trey White was really clutch last year really what this team, the, the missing pieces of what this team needs, they, they've started adding to that with the Diggs trade. But imagine having Stephon Diggs and Chase Claypool or Stephon Diggs and a T. Higgins, Stephon Diggs and a Michael Pittman Jr. I mean, the possibilities for their future with Josh Allen already look pretty promising, but I feel like they would look more promising if they were to get someone at a great skill position, wide receiver or running back. Right. So if you go back to that game specifically and in general, the Bills just weren't running the ball. It wasn't Singletary's fault. They 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 lost the game. It wasn't even the offensive line's fault. Um right. they, they, well, they weren't perfect in that game, but neither neither Gore, who I was critical on, um, Singletary or the offensive line, um, I'm gonna blame a lot in that game. Um Josh Allen missed some throws late in it. Um, but you know, you had some some just receivers not getting open. You had uh, Duke Williams, you need to come up with one or two more plays, and I'm a Duke Williams fan. Um, but it comes down to them throwing the ball, and they just didn't have enough weapons to to um, to get the thing done. And that wasn't just the, that game; it was you know fairly consistent on why they didn't do better than ten and six. Oh, right, right. Um, That's so, just the one that sticks out in my mind the most, I, right? I, because I know I know that they could beat the Houston Texans. I feel like they could beat the Houston Texans right now. <laughs> yeah oh it was just one of those things and they're worse because you know, they don't have hopkins um right right so right. Even any team that loses hopkins, hopkins sucks like could, yeah i feel like even with hopkins that they could beat them but it was just so frustrating and i like you said you know while you were saying that not to interrupt you but while you were saying that about the texans i go back to the game against cleveland i go back to the game against philly where they just got routed that game just got ugly um, and, and I mean, really, this team has the ability to add even more talent. And John Brown and Cole Beasley were phenomenal last year, but they're only getting older. And if one of those two guys got hurt, or God forbid, both of those guys got hurt, Buffalo would have a serious offensive weapon issue at hand. Right. And I think that with the talent that they have here, having an, another wide receiver active in that game. Um, with the likes of, you know, Michael Pittman or Denzel Mims or Chase Claypool. Um, I just think that they'll, they could be able to bring a different dynamic into this offense um, and play, have 30 plays for them. Once again, they don't need to play every single snap as they're learning. But I think, like you mentioned, I do think that they're able to get out of either deal if Brown or Beasley don't perform to a $10 million standard. Um, they're able to get out of either deal and say, you know what, thank God we have Chase Claypool or thank God we have whoever. Um, that it was that they designated to be their guy, T. Higgins or Michael Pittman. Thank God we have that player because guess what? Now we're thinking 
Pittman at, you know, million and, you know, 1.1 million or John Brown at 10 million after he only went for 600 yards, you know, you have a really good financial decision to make where you can save $7 million and put it toward, you know, your, 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 your Trey Whites of the world, your Matt Milano's. So I think that that's going to play a role into this whole factor that we're taking a really talented player um, and being able to produce a really good receiver out of it. So I think that that's a really important factor, Ryan. And I think that at the end of the day, I think it's a stronger position group. I think it's a more expensive position group. I think that, that it's something that they need to target. Now, that's not to go to say if they can't get a premier running back, whether they think it's Dobbins, Taylor, or Swift. Um, right. I, I, I don't know which one that they have higher. I like Jonathan Taylor, but a lot of people like Dobbins. A lot of people like Swift. Some people even say that there's some credence to waiting for Akers in the third round um, because right. he played with no offensive line. He can make his own moves, whatever. Jonathan Taylor's scary part is that he played a lot in college. I mean, you know, running backs are what they are. They don't have a million years in them. Um, right. So there's a lot of dynamics here. Um, but I think that the weapon – and then there's one final weapon, and it's Cole Komet from Notre Dame, which you're a Dame fan, so you should know him. Yes, um, yeah. Unfortunately, he's sneaking I, around. Yeah. Um, right. Do you pull yeah, that trigger? Right, and, and that that was you know Cole Komet. That was another option that I that I would throw in there as far as a weapon that would be suitable for the team. But you know, talking about the tight ends before um, with Croft and Knox and Sweeney, I feel like they really liked those three guys. And, you know, going back to, you know, your running back, uh, you know, uh, discussion there with, with Taylor and, and Dobbins, I think I was reminded last night that with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire taken 32nd overall by the Chiefs, these teams take running backs based on how that running back fits their offense. It sounds so captain obvious and so um, simple, but we get lost in these mock drafts where we just right. rate these players based on who we think is the best and, and why we think that player is the best, but it doesn't really matter who is rated the best or who had the best college career, or any of that, who won the most awards. None of that matters. What matters is how these players are perceived on how they will fit within that offense. Andy Reid looked at Clyde Edwards Lair and said, that guy might be better than Brian Westbrook and, and Brian Westbrook. For those of you that don't remember, he was pretty good. I would say in a, in a uh, all-time underrated list, I would say Brian Westbrook would be, would be at the top of that. Um, so, you know, the, the fact is, you know, you have Jonathan Taylor, you have J.K. Dobbins. My preference would be Taylor, um, but based on how you see these players fitting in the offense that the Buffalo Bills currently run with Devin Singletary having a successful rookie season, did miss some action midway through, but ultimately rounded out his rookie campaign pretty well. Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins, if, if you had to choose between one of the two, who, who would you take? I think that they're looking oh – man, it's tough. I think that they all could – I think Edwards Hilaire was similar to Devin Singletary. So I think him going – I think he could – he's going to be good. But I don't know that if that's a good or a bad thing, but he's off the board. so. I think that they're looking for that downhill style, bigger back. I think a Jonathan Taylor still fits it, but that's not to say, I mean, DeAndre Swift um, does some really good things as well. It's tough. I mean, I want the most talented back possible. And I think those, those, those two are the most talented backs. Um, not to say Dobbins and Akers are far away, um, but I, right. I really like those two the best. And I, you know, honest, honestly, Jonathan Taylor, I think is a, you know, just has done it. And I think that he would be someone that this, uh, this, this team specifically would really like to add into the mix of Singletary and Yeldon. So I think that he's my number one. And, you know, you talked about on the last show that if for some reason it doesn't work out and they think they can get one in the third and can't, I think that in the four net situation really right, pops so. its, pops its right. head up, but we won't know that situation until after today um, right. with those four names going, maybe they thought they could stick to 86 and get, one of the five names, you know, even, even throw in um, a couple of other, a couple of other guys they might like, like Zach Moss. Um, let's say they can't get, you know, those guys. I think at that point we can start to talk about them needing to make a pick um, and trading a pick, excuse me, and hopefully a 2021 pick, but you know, I don't really care if it's, um, if it's this pick. So we'll yeah, see. I, mean, I, got a lot of, I got a lot of positive reactions to the Leonard Fournette take and I, I got, you know, some, some, 
you know, not negative necessarily, but people that disagree, and that's fine. That's why we do this. We don't do this for everybody to agree with us all the time, but, um, and we don't discuss things to, to always agree either. You know, I, I do agree with you on the majority of, of how we have both kind of evaluated these prospects and in these situations um, that we have seen, you know, play themselves out over the last couple months throughout this whole draft process. But if it were, I think the consensus amongst yourself and myself and even Bill's fans is prioritizing wide receiver over running back. Which one do the Bills need more? And it's a good discussion because I think it shows that Buffalo actually has wide receivers that everybody really likes. And they also have a running back that everybody really likes. But in terms of the running game last year, I would say as well in that playoff game, it was glaring that Frank Gore was long, long, long in the tooth and that they needed a running back two to really help out Devin Singletary, but even more so a running back two that could really help out Josh Allen. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, I think that that leads us to, to mock time. Um, so I'm going to run a draft uh, draft network mock draft machine and we're going to, um, we're going to run it out and we're going to say, uh, who we want at this pick. So we're going to run out the first first round exactly how it went, obviously, and then um, we're going we're gonna to hit go on it and see who Ryan Fantastic. takes and who Kevin takes. All right, so it's running now. Um, start the second round here. Gross Matos off the board first um, to the Bengals. Denzel Mims to Indy. Uh, Espinenza to, um, to Detroit. Zach Bond, so the edges are coming off fast and furious to the Giants. Terrell Lewis to the Patriots. So the four or five were edges to start this thing off. Um, so that really crushes the edge market right there. Um, but this is what I'm talking about, Ryan. This this kind of thing can happen, and all of a sudden you're looking at receiver, and you're like, "Well, that's not great." Um, Jalen Johnson start going. Yeah, yeah, they're still here. Only Mims is gone. Jalen Johnson, um, Xavier McKinney, Josh Jones, and Grant Delpit. Um, Delpit to the Browns. Antron Winfield Jr. So the safeties are starting to fly off the board now. Jeremy Chin um, going to sh- uh, Chicago. Hurts to Indy. Uh, Swift, so a first potential Bills target uh, off the board there to Tampa. Ezra Cleveland off the board. K.J. Hamler, good for the Bills off the board if that's the receiver going to go. Uh, Nevin G- uh, Gallimore, good interior defensive lineman. Cushionberry um, and Jonah Jackson, so a couple of offensive linemen. Kyle Duggar's gone, so both of those big nickels are now gone uh, to Dallas. Uh, J.K. Dobbins is now off the board. So those running backs are starting to move. Um, do the Bills need to play in that market? We'll see. Ashton Davis, another safety. So the safeties are pretty much gone. Um, so that's that's out of the question. There's, all of them went uh, before the Bills picked, and now the Bills are on the clock, Ryan. Um, really, at running backs, only Jonathan Taylor left. Um, at receiver, you have uh, Michael Pittman, Cheneau, Higgins, and Claypool. Um, they're still, they're still oh, on the man. board. So, so this would be the, <laughs> this would be the worst, this would be the worst case scenario for me, Kevin. This is terrible because uh, I have to choose, I have to choose between Claypool and Taylor. This was, this is kind of, this is what could happen. This, this could happen folks. This could honestly, unless happen. you're a safety fan, um, which they're all gone. Um, this is a pretty good setup for any fans of the weapons. Um, we can oh, really yeah. know who their favorite right. weapon was at this point. It's a great, yeah, it's a great, it's great to choose between these two guys. But for me to choose between these two guys, oh man, I'd be sweating this one out. I feel that Jonathan Taylor would have to be the pick here, uh, at, at least for me, um, for the Bills to add to that running game. The, the thought of Jonathan Taylor and Devin Singletary together would be great. Plus, you know, back to the Fournette thing, um, if they have this huge, you know, if the, if the draft plays out just like this um, and we start to see these players get picked and, and Jonathan Taylor is still available, I don't see how the Bills pass that up for the possibility right. of trading for Leonard Fournette. And there's still a lot of receivers on the board. Um, I think that the, the funny part is the running backs did go a little bit, so it's just really Taylor Akers and Moss at this point. Can you trust that any of those three are there in the, in the 80s? I don't think you can. I don't think you can trust that. Um, and then it gets – it's a little bit thinner, so I, I'm I think all it's Taylor. a stretch that yeah, I think it's a stretch that Moss would last to to the 86th pick, and I've done a few mocks, and it's it's really tough to get him to to get him to last that long, right? Get Moss to last that long, so 
Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so Jonathan Taylor, I think is, I guess, both of our picks in this case, unless you're thinking Claypool. It's really tough, man. I, I just really feel I can envision Stefan Diggs and Chase Claypool. Maybe just maybe just to play devil's advocate. I take Chase Claypool. I take Chase, Play- Chase Claypool. If I'm Brandon Bean and I take Chase Claypool, I then do whatever I can to 1A, get Leonard Fournette, or 1B, trade up to guarantee that you get Zach Moss. So that's okay. kind of a, a, a Claypool scenario if I go with Claypool. And let's just say I go with Claypool and you go with Taylor. I know I did say Taylor. I probably feel if I didn't have a real solid shot by now at getting Leonard Fournette that I would take Taylor, but I still feel like the Leonard Fournette sweepstakes is on. And I think it could quite possibly, we could quite possibly see Leonard Fournette get traded today or tomorrow. Right. I I mean, yeah, I think it's very possible. Um, So I guess then you're, you're going to stick with Claypool. I'm going to go ahead and stick with uh, Jonathan Taylor. So we'll, uh, we'll mock this out now go to the third round. Cam Akers went right away. Um, and we'll see how this looks as we uh, reach here. It's finishing up. Claypool was picked in the third round. Obviously, I had to pick one or the other for the mock purposes. I picked Taylor. Um, so now, okay. So now we're on the board. Um, we're on the clock. It looks like a couple of names the Bills would have wanted went right before them. And, and uh, Jonathan Greenard for the edge. Bryce Hall, the corner, just went right before him. Akora, uh just went. Prince Tega Wahoo uh, went. Um, oh, my boy. Yep. Comet yep. uh, went late in the third, or excuse me, early in the third. Claypool went early in the third as well for this purpose. Um, Curtis Weaver went early in the third. Um, so, yeah, so now we're on the clock. Um, edge market's pretty thin there. Um, so, you know, probably going to leave that alone. Safety market kind of untouched there. There wasn't a lot of names after that run. Um, corner market was beaten up a little bit. Um, so really, my favorite name there is OJ Muda um, from Iowa. He's he's still on the board. Um, tackle does have Lucas Niang. If you're a fan of um, tackle from TCU, um, so Ryan, you do have Moss on the board here at 86. Um, so I don't know if you're going to go that route or still think Fournette, um, Benjamin, Darrington Evans, Antonio Gibson on the board. Uh, at receiver, it's Van Jefferson, KJ Hill, um, Darnell Mooney. So I don't know. I would go Zach Moss um, in, in this instance and, and just saying that, hey, we'd have th- – this is without the thought that we have Fournette yet. Right. So if we, if we got Fournette, then that would throw a wrench into things. If we had Fournette and we drafted Chase Claypool, um, taking Zach Moss, I wouldn't even be against that. Uh, to be quite honest with you, I wouldn't be against that either. You know, having three, three great running backs, especially with Fournette only on a one-year you know, deal – um, without, you know, probably doing his option next year at, at right. $8 million, um, and then getting that contact back for him to take Moss and, and build upon Moss and Singletary beyond 2021. Uh, or what you could do is um, go look into the corner market. And I've kind of talked about this a little bit, and I don't know what the corner market is at this point but in this, in this mock, but um, you have Trey White, one of the best corners in the game, Nobody would disagree with that. Um, you have Josh Norman, who you brought in on a one-year deal. And I'm not doubting Josh Norman. Uh, I like the fact that they took that flyer on him and, and pursued that. Uh, he's got veteran you know, capability and, and all that stuff. And he knows that defense plays within his role really well under McDermott's defense. But we just don't know how much is left uh, of that solid skill set, how much juice is left in Josh right. Norman. And not even if let's just say Norman is a home run acquisition and he does really, really well, you still need that, that depth. You still need that. And it kind of goes into what we've talked about with wide receivers. You still need that depth at corner. I really like Josh Norman a lot, but I would look into the corner market and I talked about him before. He's probably not available at this point, but Cameron Dantzler is someone that I like and, even if Dancer isn't available, I'd want a corner with some length, with some size. Yeah, he went in an early third. Um, early third, okay. Yeah, yeah just as an update would, there. Yeah, that's where I would assume that, that he would go. And uh, now that's maybe a move where 
if you have Leonard Fournette and you have Chase Claypool moving up a couple spots to take Cameron Dantzler, that would, that would be, um, Ryan Thomas I, playing Buffalo Bills GM. <laughs> yeah, as I look at the draft board, the second round, unless you were a safety fan, was pretty nice. Lots of corners on the board. Even you know Diggs was on the board. We didn't talk about him. He was still there. Um, there was lots of great names, but it thinned out quickly. So the Bills are sitting here kind of at the mid to late third round, and we're like, mm, sport's not great. I like O.J. Muda, um, you know, Darnay Holmes from UCLA, uh, Troy Pride from Notre Dame. Um, so there's some names there at corner, maybe none that, specifically jump out to you you're right i think you know maybe trading up in a second i haven't seen the need to look at the names that were on the board ryan we we both kind of struggled to make our pick um though in the third i think it's completely opposite they're looking at this and saying yeah i kind of want to get a little bit higher on the board uh maybe it's like you said cameron dancer maybe it's cole Komet. i I don't know um one of those two would be phenomenal um you know i mean imagine if they were able to pull that off getting a claypool fournette cameron dantzler right um, I, I feel like that would be really really big and it you know we talk about how limited uh there are in terms of uh limited it is in terms of the spots that uh is right. on this buffalo bills roster, also, but also going late ryan feel a need um, late last pick in the second was T Higgins uh, or uh, right before him was Diggs, Peoples Jones, um, O'Shea, Curtis Weaver, Ezra Cleveland went late, Robert Hunt, a guy that we've been tied to here in Buffalo. Um, I mean, even in this mock, because I picked um, Taylor, um, right. you had Chase Claypool go um, in this round. I mean, this, this, this era. Um, right. So you still have, a lot of good names, um, you know, Prince went here. So I think the bills are really looking to move up when it's all said and done. I think they need Bryce Hall went right before them. Uh, Greenard went right before that. I think they need to move up five to 10 picks. It won't cost them too much. It'll cost them their pick and probably a fifth um, who's right. not going to make the roster um, or at least going to really have a challenge. So I think move that up, move up earlier into the third. To, I think to you have to take yeah. one of those guys. Yeah. That, that's, that's kind of what I've noticed within pretty much every mock that I've done. Um, and they're all different. They're all different, you know, simulations, obviously. That's what I've noticed with, with every mock that I've done is if they want that Grenard or if they want that Weaver edge rusher, yeah. they'll have to move up. If they want, uh, you know, a Cameron Dantzler, they'll have to move up. If they, if they want, uh, you know, an, an extra, an extra piece that has a little bit, just there is a little bit of a drop off between that third, fourth round range there's still a lot of quality players in the fourth fifth it drops off around 80 though and the bills pick 86 but it does drop off right yeah it it drops off around 80 and like i said it's it's a real uh stretch for me putting my mock drafts together and zach moss lasting to 86 overall i've i've seen him you know when i've mocked each and every team i've had zach moss go in the 70s or or mid 70s um to where he he doesn't last to buffalo's pick so um, but yeah, that, that is, uh, that is a great scenario. So who, who are you taking now? And with all that all said and done, I'll go first this time. I'm going to pick Lucas Niang. Um, I didn't expect him to be here. I have him 67th overall. Um, bills are picking 86. They didn't make a move. They kind of sat pat. I had to add a really strong potential offensive tackle, um, from TCU six seven three twenty eight out of the big 12. Um, good, good range here really could add to the depth at the tackle spot. I think they're set on the interior, um, so he adds to that um, really, you know, and Saki's got one year left. I think he immediately becomes a potential player on this, this offense and is, and really a um, insurance policy to Dawkins or insurance policy to an injury and uh, pushes Cody for. So I think it's, it's my pick just based on this board, uh, Ryan, uh, we're all said and done. All, everything's on the table. You know, where, right. where are you going? Where, you, where's my head at? So, so Zach Moss is available, right? He Zach is Moss available in this mock. Yep. I, I would go Zach Moss. Okay. Um, and this is under the thought process that they don't have Leonard Fournette. Or even if they do, let's just, yeah, throw, throw the records out. Let's just say they do have Leonard Fournette. I, I want this offense to be pristine. I want this offense to be guns blazing, ready to go, batting down the hatches, fire all your guns. Let's, okay. let's make this happen. All right. Well, there it is. There you have. There you have it. In our day two mock, <laughs> Ryan takes Chase Claypool and Zach Moss with a four net trade. Kevin takes 
um, Jonathan Taylor and then a Lucas Niang uh, potential second round. I do. That, I do like the Niang pick though, because mainly I, I do, you know, I, I definitely see your line of thinking in that. BPA I, there, Ryan, BPA. I, yeah. I, I think it's BPA. And I think Cody Ford, I don't know if he's a tackle. Right. I don't know yet. I, I, I'm not saying he's not a tackle. I'm saying I, I don't know yet if he's a tackle. Big difference. I think he, he so far has played far better at guard. And all okay. the tape that I've watched, he's been a far better guard. Well, there you have it. Uh, also, Ian Rappaport just an hour ago said that the Panthers are open to trading Curtis Samuel. Could there be anything there? We'll see if he's moved today. Um, some buzz from Rappaport around the league. Uh, Bengals like Ross Blaylock and Denzel Mims at 33. Um, Colts at 34 and Dolphins are trying to move out. Um, Dolphins are at 39. Um, Saints are looking at a corner linebacker. Jets looking at a corner. Uh, Jags at an offensive tackle. And the Falcons are still trying to move up here. So that's kind of the early buzz as the show's being recorded. Anything there stick out to you or matter? Um, you know, as far as the Bengals, um, I really – you know, really dove into this deeply with Maniac on Instagram, on the Trainwreck Sports Instagram Live yesterday. I love Joe Burrow. I feel like he's a phenomenal player, phenomenal human being. Um, and I was really, really uh, thankful to see him get picked first overall, get that shine. He, it's very deserved. Yep. Um, but with all that being said, him going to the Cincinnati Bengals, you can't just hope and pray that Joe Burrow turns things around. It's never up to one guy. You'd hate to see Joe Burrow end up becoming this Tim Couch or, you know, somebody that sure. the franchise really didn't do their best to, to put a lot around. I'm not saying that Tim Couch could have been something. He had his own deficiencies that Joe Burrow doesn't nearly have. But I'm sure. talking about in terms of the franchise putting pieces around him. And Denzel Mims is a solid player. I would, I would, I would appreciate that as a football fan just a pure nfl football fan if the Bengals went and picked enzo mims to get that weapon for joe burrow i feel like that would really be a solid move okay um so we'll see if they they are able to lock down mims i guess they are if that's who they want um i wouldn't hate it he's probably to me he's really just a one one shot guy um, so he, if I had to pick a guy, a receiver off the board, uh, would be Mims because he's probably the guy. I'm not him and Hamler. I don't know that the Bills would be in the market for anyways. And in the in the mock that we just did, those two went. So um, the rest and I had on the Mims, board. yeah, and I had Mims rated as as my fifth receiver in my top five, and some people loved it, and some people said, "Hey, why is Chenault not in your top five? Or why is you know uh, Claypool? If you're a big Chase Claypool guy." I see it because I think Mims will be gone by then. You know, I think those are the five, those five receivers are the, the best five. And I feel like Mims rightfully so uh, would be a solid fit. And another receiver that I really like in Cincinnati is Auden Tate. You watch sure. some of his tape, man, that guy is phenomenal. Yeah. He played really well in the end of the bills game uh, last year. Um, when, since he made like a little bit of a scary push to come closer in that game, but he right. played, they played really good. And we'll see if Andy Dalton sticks on that roster, but yeah, lots of good news and nuggets around the league. Um, any final notes you got, Ryan, anything that you want to see today, anything you want to see final move up, notes. move downs, anything. Final notes. I, I really, the, 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 the attention, you know, in terms of the AFC East, uh, the Miami Dolphins, they had those three first-round draft choices. And to kind of just briefly dive into my thoughts on Miami's first round, I, I came away, you know, there, there was a fighter by the name of George St. Pierre. He had this one lot, this, this phrase that just set the world on fire back in the day where he said to Matt Hughes that he wasn't impressed by the performance of Matt Hughes after Matt Hughes dominated a, a fight and won his title back. George St. Pierre got in the octagon and said, hey, I'm not impressed. And everyone was like, oh. So I'm going to say that I just wasn't impressed with Miami's performance uh, in the first round. I, I Tua pick aside, you could call the Tua pick from a mile away. I felt like that was pretty locked in. Um, that pick on its own has its own risk, reward uh, attached to it with the, with the injury history. Um, but only time will tell on that. I felt like they had an opportunity to move up for Tristan Wirfs, and ultimately they did have that opportunity with 
the Bucks moving up for Tristan Wirfs, who I really like. Uh, and, and ultimately they uh, got Austin Jackson with the uh, Minka Fitzpatrick pick from Pittsburgh. And then they moved back from 26 to 30 uh, to take uh, the corner out of Auburn. And the, the last name is, is one that I know I'll butcher. <laughs> Um, but let's see you try. I, I know that one. So let's see you try it. You know, let, you know, let me, let me, let me pull this up here. Let me, let me, I have it written down here. Um, Noah Igbina genie. <laughs> no, no, it's a uh, Igbenogany. Igbenogany. Okay. Yep. Well, that, that even sounds so Actually cool. you say all the, the letters actually usually. You say all the letters. Okay. Yeah. Ig, usually Ig it doesn't different... Yeah. Iganogony. Okay. All right. Iganogony. Okay. Big so, Ben Agony. Big Ben Agony. Okay. okay. You better use it. He's the Dolphins probably starting corner at the slot. Yeah, I would say so. And I mean, that, yeah. that's the thing. They have a good that, secondary. That's, a, that's the thing I definitely want to throw out there. It's not me saying that, you know, these players aren't good players. It's just that I just thought that they would come away with more firepower, come away with an offseason that kind of really rolled out the, the teal or orange carpet yeah. in Miami and South Beach and would say, hey, we got Tua, we got J.K. Dobbins, we got Xavier McKinney. That's who I thought they would kind of go after. But, hey, you know, the, the powers that be in Miami, they, they, they looked into it and they liked those guys. I just thought that they would do a little bit more offensively and even defensively to get some I mean, they have three good corners in Howard, who struggled, Byron Jones, and Igbenogany. Um, and then they have Cordero Tankersley to be played for Bobby McCain's. They have a really strong secondary. I don't love their safeties. Eric Rose, a converted corner to safety, Philly and New England. Um, they spent a lot of money in Clinton Flagellum, um, out of Cincinnati. Um, so it's not a great safety tandem. I don't like their, you know, linebacking core a whole lot. I mean, I like Kyle Van Noy. Um, they have a thumper in Raycon McMillan. So I think that they've tried to overhaul that, that, um, defense as much as they can but that offense is still you know still still hurting they did add that left tackle who i thought was a reach uh, the offensive line still yes. not good it still starts ted karras and eric flowers on it um michael dieter and jesse davis just not it's just not a good offensive line i like mike gusecki um they just really only have jordan howard Devonte parker i mean that, that i mean that's it i mean that's right. the, those are okay names but that's that's just it um and just, that's all you got right yeah. and uh you know, Fitz is going to play a lot, I think. I don't know if you can go to Tua with this kind of offense. The no. defense is okay. Um, but. Yeah, I would certainly hope. And that, that's another thing to kind of add to the whole Joe Burrow thing. Joe Burrow is probably – I mean, you don't take a quarterback like Joe Burrow first overall and sit him. So I think he's going right. to play. It's different. Uh, but, but Tua, you know, I would really hope with that offensive line, with the injury history that he has – that they do not sabotage his career and, and put him in day one. I, right. I really feel like he'll, he will get hurt yeah, again. You know, that that's, I hate to say that, you know, I don't want to predict an injury, but with that offensive line, not where it needs to be. And, you know, taking a look at their secondary at safety, I just thought that Xavier McKinney was almost a lock for, for Miami. I thought when I did my mock draft, I thought that's where I could definitely, I, I couldn't see them passing him up. And, you know, they, they traded Laramie Tunzel to Houston and they got that extra first round pick. And then they used the first that they traded that they acquired from Pittsburgh to take the tackle to replace Laramie Tunzel. It's, it's kind of like the way they, the way they moved around. I just didn't foresee that happening. I thought that they would kind of stay with, with where the, with where they were and kind of go after specific offensive needs and, and a defensive need. So, but then, you know, the shift gears, another final thought that I have, New England, they trade, they trade down, uh, they move down, they, they acquire second and third from San Diego or pardon me, Los Angeles, um, yep. the chargers. And, you know, they got 13 picks. What is going on in that mind of Bill Belichick? That, that's, that's the main story today for sure. No doubt about it. Okay. Well, that's something to look out for. We will get you our draft reactions and our final notes and nuggets of today and of tomorrow. Um, we'll try to bring in an early week show next week. I'm um, kind of recapping sure. all that before we kind of get a little slower. So we'll obviously do a show today. 
Um, and then we'll do a show in a couple of days to get you kind of our final thoughts after the UDFA class comes out. I'll probably go back to our Monday show. So we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get you all of our fresh takes and reactions on Twitter, as well as our sound bites will clip up and um, our show Monday. And then from there, we'll probably, like we said last time, be looking to get on those, some, some guests and some personalities to kind of um, keep the, the slower point of the season without OTAs, especially um, we're going to have a hall, a wall here. So we're, we'll get you the best May content we can possibly. Um, but yeah, I mean, my final notes and nuggets would be, I don't know, I'd watch out for the, the Bills to add weapons for Josh Allen. I don't think that they're going to get crazy on defense, but it is Sean McDermott here, Ryan. It is, and, and we know Sean McDermott likes those guys that, that like to do different things. Uh, he likes to use guys in a lot of different ways, and that's why I love them. But I, I'm hoping that they don't go big nickel, just like yourself. I, I Truly could not agree with you more. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful in this you know, regard, too, that we think the same way. Because I just, even going back to training camp at St. John Fisher, I'm standing there, you know, beautiful weather. I mean, you know, everything perfect. But then I'm looking at the weapons on that offense, and I'm just saying, this is enough to get to the playoffs. Maybe, maybe not enough to win a playoff game. And then they add Stephon Diggs. and there's a lot of you know analysts out there that think Stefan Diggs is really all they need. I think that that is not the right line of thinking. You, you got to continue to add on to what they've already added on to. Finish what you started. Exactly, Ryan. So really appreciate everybody tuning in to this special edition and this pre-draft in the middle of the draft day two podcast. Everybody tune into our, like, like we said, we'll get some of our top notes and nuggets out of the show. We'll get that up there um, on, on our Twitter pages as well as follow along for future content. But this show is brought to you by Trainwreck Sports and um, by Picasso's Pizza. Get out there and get Picasso's. Um, if you didn't get it yesterday for the draft, get it today for the Bills Big Day. So from the cap, I'm Kevin and that's Ryan. <laughs>